Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for all the promises that are in your word that we can cling to and we can hold on to, God. Thank you that you have a plan. Thank you that you have a purpose. Thank you, Lord, as I'll talk about today. You you hold us in the palm of your hand. Nothing catches you by surprise, Lord. Nothing alerts you or alarms you because you are sovereign and supreme and you're in control. God, I just pray for everyone that's here this morning, those that are watching online, that God, you would just bless their life. You would help them and touch them. All of us are carrying something in this place today, Lord. And I pray that you'd begin to move on people's behalf, Lord. Work things out for the good, Lord, according to your good purposes and your calling, I pray. Lord, we do take time right now in, in this, this moment to lift up the nation of Israel. Lord, we pray for them as we've done for the last couple of weeks. That, Lord, and as we've, you know, I've outlined this in, in the uh, pastor's corner in the bulletin. Lord, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, God. Lord, we pray for your people, your covenant people, whom, Lord, you, you called thousands of years ago. We pray for them right now. We lift them up, Lord. Pray that you would bless Israel. Bless your people, God. Lord, I pray that you would shake your hand against their enemies and your enemies, God. Those who would touch the apple of your eye, your people, Lord. Shake your hand against their enemies, Lord. God, we pray for all the innocent lives and families that are caught in the crossfire of this conflict. We pray for missionaries, churches, and ministries that proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in that region, for your protection, for your equipping, for your help. And Lord, we pray that hearts and minds would turn to you, Jesus, that more and more people in that region would realize that, you know, secular humanism and humanity and worldly, worldly religions and worldly things like that, that man has created are futile. They don't satisfy and, and there's, no, there's, there's no truth in those. Let them look to you, Jesus, the lover of our soul. Let them call upon your name so that they would be saved, as the book of Romans says. Lord Jesus, visit with so many. Re- reveal yourself to many and let them turn to you and say yes. And Lord, we keep our eyes open. We keep our eyes open for your return, Lord. Help us to be watching, watchful, and ready, I pray. Lord, continue to speak to us this morning. You've spoken to us through the the lyrics of the songs. Now speak to us in your word and help us to take a step towards you, Jesus, and become more like you, we pray. In your mighty name, Jesus Christ. And we all said, Amen. amen. Thank you. Amen. Give somebody a high five next to you. Yes. Yeah. All right. So in the pastor's corner, I, I, I talked a little bit about the uh, aspect that's going on over in Israel, the Israeli-Gaza conflict. And if you're a student of the Bible, you'll know this conflict is as old as Isaac and Ishmael, even Jacob and Esau. I mean, it goes, goes, goes way, 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 way back. And if you dig even deeper in the Bible, when God told the Israelites to go across the Jordan River and to conquer the land of Canaan, there's a reason why, you know... All the inhabitants of the earth had many, many years to know God, to turn to God. Matter of fact, in the very first city, there was a lady, um, Rahab, she uh, hid the Jerusalem spies, but she's like, she knew all about God. She knew about his exploits. She believed in the Lord, and that's why she hid the spies. So they had plenty of time. People had plenty of time to believe in the Lord, but they were still pagan. They rejected the Lord. And so God told the Israelites to go into Canaan and conquer and wipe them out for a reason. But the Israelites were disobedient and they allowed quite a few of the Canaanites to remain alive. And that has led even to our conflict even today, guys. So all of this is rooted in the Bible. But listen, as I say, God has always fought for his people And God will always fight for his people because they are his covenant people. He entered into a covenant with them through the patriarch Abraham, and God is faithful. Amen? So we have a responsibility to pray. We have been grafted into the vine, 
uh, as, as the, the Bible talks about. So um, we are in step with the Israel people, you know, and you may be like, oh, I don't, I don't like that. That's the word of God. You know what I mean? Uh, and if you're a student of God's word, then, then you, you know these things and you see these things. And if you've studied biblical prophecy, I'm not saying this is it, okay, because I would not do that. But hey, every day we live, we're getting one more day closer, amen? So the time to be ready and watchful is now. Because Jesus himself said, you know, hey, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. Be ready. Be ready. Amen? So let's keep our lamps shine and trimmed and living for Jesus Christ. Amen? That was not the sermon, but that's okay. We got some work to do. That's all right. Hey, again, tell somebody next to you, say, I'm glad you're here in the house of God. Whether that's your spouse, your child, turn around, look to somebody, say, I'm glad you are, you know. Amen. If you will, let's go to Genesis chapter 1 again in your Bibles or Bible apps this morning. I want to pick up where we left off last week with part two of the name of God, Elohim. Part two of the name of God, Elohim. And we're in a series now. We've started, um, you know, called, hello, my name is God. You know, hello, my name is Elohim is what we're talking about, okay? And, and before we read our text again, I want to read our theme, theme verse for this whole series. It's found in Psalm 34.3, where the psalmist says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Because that's what I want us to do, guys, with this series. I want us to get to know the Lord and, and to understand God and have a deeper relationship with him. And we're going to magnify him. We're going to exalt his name as we get to know the different names that God has revealed himself to us and identifies with, okay? And, and so this is the third message in the series. And the first message, uh, the last couple, they're both online. And first message, again, if you weren't here, goes into a lot of foundational detail about the why for this series and the different aspects of learning about the different names of God. Um, and it's very important because you can't really say you love someone unless you really know them. And so we're going to learn more about God by learning about his names that he's revealed himself to us in, okay? So when we read our text this morning, again, as I said last week, it's a verse that many of you can probably quote by memory, but it reveals the very first revelation of God's name to us. It's the very first descriptive name that God introduces himself to everyone. And there's so much in this name, it's taken me two weeks to unpack it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, read it with me, okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's read it again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So if you've noticed, I've included last week's Creek Notes as an insert bulletin for reference just in case some of you missed last week, uh, I know it was fall break and all that kind of stuff. Many were traveling, so I put those in as well. But just like we started with last week, we start with, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. It's not in the beginning, something else. In the beginning, someone else. No, in the beginning, God. And as we uncovered last week, the, the Hebrew word Elohim, when it's referencing God here in the Bible, it's the eternal, almighty, supreme, creator God. Like one of my mentors said, he would say it all the time, how can you be so quiet when I'm telling you something so good? Dude, that is so awesome. He's the eternal, almighty, supreme, creator God. Realize when you are praying in your own personal prayer life, you're praying for a need or something that's going on in your life, you can call out to Elohim. You can say, God, Elohim, and you're referencing the eternal, almighty, supreme creator, God. Well, we went through the first couple of points last week. God, Elohim, is the God of all might and all power. God is great, isn't he? Tell that to somebody. Say, God is great. That's why we sing the old hymn. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. What's the next line? 
How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Praise the Lord for his greatness. Man, growing up, it reminds me, we would sing that song often, and we had a, a worship leader, a much older gentleman when I was younger, and boy, we would sing this song often, and he would begin to tear up as we sing that, and he would, he would re- want to refrain and hold that for like, how great thou art, we like, how great, as a little kid, I'm like, okay. You know, but like, hold it forever. And he goes, oh, thou art. But God is great, gang. It's like I said last week, boom, this is how God authored his word. He wanted everyone to know right away he's not playing games. He's not messing around. In the beginning, God Elohim. It's profound. It's impactful. And the, these first few words, they said everything in motion. They frame and declare Everything. In the beginning, God, it says this, he's the real deal. He alone is all powerful. He alone is eternal. He alone is the one who's created everything, okay? Elohim, the eternal, almighty, supreme creator God. And that's like when you're reading your Bibles, if you see a little G, that, that's, that's talking about other, you know, idols and gods of this world and things like that. But when you see a capital G in your Bible, that's talking about Elohim. That's referencing Elohim. Every time you see G-O-D with a capital G, that's Elohim, the eternal, almighty, supreme creator God. So last week we learned that God is the God of all might and power, that he's self-existent and he's eternal. God exists, God Elohim, he exists outside of space and matter. We covered all that last week. I want to pick up on point four this week. So if you flip your creek note or the bulletin over, you'll find this week's creek notes And the fourth thing that we learn about the name Elohim is that God Elohim is completely self-sufficient. Completely self-sufficient. Here's some truth for you. I'm going to throw a truth bomb at you all this morning, okay? You ready for a truth bomb? You are not (laughs) self-sufficient. You are not self-sufficient. There are so many memes and gifts out there about people not even being able to function or speak or act in a new day until they've had that first sip of coffee. Here's some of them right here. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know why there's so many cats on there, but that's all right. So many people are like, don't talk to me. I have coffee. That, then you're not, you're not sufficient. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we cannot operate within ourselves, all right? Gang, God is completely and totally self-sufficient. What does this even mean? That means God doesn't need a cup of coffee to get himself going in the morning. (laughs) He created it. Praise God. I'm very thankful for that, all right? But he doesn't need it, okay? What what the self-sufficiency of God means is this. Whatever God needs, he possesses within himself. He is, you know, he possesses in in his one being, in his one character, in in, in his personality, What this means is God doesn't need anything or anyone in his creation creation, because he's sufficient all by himself. He isn't dependent or depending on anything that he's created. God has all the resources he needs for who he is and what he does within himself. And this is especially true in regards to time. And we talked about time last week. God is not limited by time. God doesn't need more time. He created time. He rules time. God is the Lord of time. So listen, if you're in a situation in your life or a circumstance and you're, you're desperate and, and you've been praying and you're like, you're like, God, you're running out of time. No, he isn't. God's not running out of time. He created time, he's above time, and he's sufficient, and he knows what he's doing. The the self-sufficiency of God is the term aseity, and it means God doesn't need anyone or anything, he's not relying on anyone or anything, 
He's not dependent upon anyone or anything. He is. He is. Now, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about where God tells a certain character in the Old Testament, I am. Tells Moses, I am. Listen, God is. He is. Now, the world and mankind, we are totally dependent upon God and Elohim. We truly are. And you may be here this morning and say, nah, I, I, I'm my own man. I'm my own body. I've made myself. I, I, I don't need anyone else. I don't, you're, you're playing a fool's game. You need God. All of mankind is totally dependent upon God. Our very breath comes from God. The very breath in our lungs comes from God. You didn't create that. I don't care how self-made you are. I don't care how successful you are in business or in life or in social media. It doesn't matter. Your whole very essence is dependent upon the Lord. And God could even just, just like that, it could all be gone. Jesus tells a parable uh, in the New Testament where a guy, he builds these grains and his these barns, he's storing his grains, has to build more to store, and he's, he's very wealthy, kicks back, and he's going, I'm just going to relax, I'm going to enjoy, I'm going to live life. And, the, and it's, the parable says, you fool, your life is required tonight. We are totally dependent upon the Lord, but God is not dependent upon the ones that he created, okay? So this totally shows the, the complete Lordship of God Elohim over every single thing that he created. There's nothing in creation that's outside of his scope and nothing in creation that's over him. He has absolute dominion over everything and everyone. The Greek philosopher Aristotle believed that the the God little g that he believed in and which he thought was the prime mover of everything, couldn't really love the world at all because that would mean then that his God would be depending upon the world to arouse his affections and, and then contacting the world might make his God change and that would compromise his God's self-sufficiency so his God was just kind of out there floating around. Listen, not our Elohim. Not our personal God, Elohim. Even though he isn't depending, uh, dependent upon his creation, he doesn't really need his creation for any, spa, any aspect. That doesn't mean he created a barrier. No, he entered time and space and he desires a fellowship with his creation and a relationship with his creation and he wants his creation to worship him fully, not because he needs it, Not because God needs our worship, no, because he deserves our reverence and our worship. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 11, verse 36, everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory, all glory to him forever, amen, amen, and amen. Praise the Lord. You know, on earth we have what we call the movers and the shakers, right? And we call people that because they seem to, you know, get things done or move things around. They, they get things happening and they do this all by, by influencing people. And my, there are so many, many influencers out there, right? All over social media, trying to, to influence and move people to buy certain things or try things out or live a certain way according to a lifestyle choice, you know, exercise this, drink this, eat these vitamins, do this, put this facial serum on, all kinds of stuff, all right? Listen, God's purposes and what he does all come from him and him alone. He doesn't need an influencer or some foreign you know, motive to move him to do or be anything other than what he already is, praise the Lord. And that's good news for us. That means that no matter what's going on in this world, in this culture, in society, it, it doesn't move and rattle and shake God. No, because he is, and he's all-sufficient. 
Listen to what theologian Adam Clark writes about God's self-sufficiency. God is eternally self-sufficient, needing nothing that he's made. He is illimitable in his immensity, inconceivable in his mode of existence, and indescribable in his essence, known fully only to himself, because an infinite mind can be fully apprehended only by itself. Man, that's deep. That is, that is some pretty awesome stuff. Listen to what the author of Acts chapter 17, verse 24 and 25 writes. You can read it on the screen. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Praise the Lord. He is totally self-sufficient. That's good news for all of us. And this all means that, that God is perfect in himself. He's perfect in himself, and he needs no help. You know, I, I know probably the majority of you this morning, after getting all ready, you know, took a shower, hopefully, maybe, I don't know, maybe you took a bath, I don't know. You, you, you brush your teeth with a little flossing, you know, a little mouthwash. Uh, you got the do all fixed up, right? You know, no one messes with the do, okay? Uh, your clothes are looking fresh and clean. Uh, after all that, I know most of you looked in the mirror and you said, you, my friend, are perfect. <laughs> anybody do that this morning? Any, anybody? I can't really, anybody hands? I don't see any hands. Oh, well, let me tell you some more truth this morning. Sorry. You are not perfect. <laughs> now, I don't want a spouse saying, you hear him? You okay? Let's don't do that. You are not perfect. How many times have those words been uttered in a marriage or a relationship, right? You're not perfect. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, when someone reminds us of our, of our imperfectness, oftentimes, you know, we, we want to do the rebuttal like Lloyd tells Harry and Dumb and Dumber. It's like, pardon me, Mr. Perfect. You know what I'm saying? I forgot you're the one that never makes a mistake, right? We play that game. Listen, none of us are perfect. God will never say that. God will never say, whoops, I made a mistake there. Ho, ho. God is perfect. He is perfect in himself. And so that makes all of his ways perfect. Everything that he does is perfect. It's perfect. Not 99%, not 95%, no, 100% perfect. All of his ways are perfect. Everything that God does is perfect. But yet, down here for us, sometimes this is hard for us to grasp. Sometimes it's hard for us to see that with, with the limited knowledge that we have and our very limited insight into time and eternity, but it's a truth that we have to recognize with our God, Elohim. I mean, to me, in my mind, according to Greg Isaacs, it wasn't perfect some 24 and a half years ago that Megan and my son Caleb never got to really breathe this heir. He was only a week or two from being born. And I've, I've mentioned this before. He was only a week or two of, away from being born. Yet God chose him to just take him on home to be with him. I mean, that's hard. That's hard. And, and we want to look at that and say, God, how? Why? We were ready to love him. We were ready to, you know, he'd be like 24 years old this year. We, we, we would have poured our love on him. It's going to be, you know, awesome. Why, God? Why wasn't he able to live, right? But we have faith in God. We trust in the Lord. We know that he's God Elohim and his ways are perfect. So what's written on Caleb's gravestone is this. Caleb Gregory Isaacs, he's with the only one who could ever love him more. And that's the truth this morning. And Megan and I, for all these years, we rest in that. We've taken our daughters to his gravestone when we go to Indiana. 
We have peace in knowing that God is infinitely good, that God knows what's best, that God is totally in control, and he acts on his plans and purposes. And now we know that Caleb has been with Christ for 24 years now, and he's going to be there when we cross that threshold into eternity. But his ways are perfect. And even though we might not understand, we might not be able to fully grasp why we have to go through things, what's going on. Listen, we only see right here. It's like the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. He writes, while we're living on this world and this earth, this rock, it's like we're looking through a glass that's dimly lit. We don't see everything. We don't know everything. We, we only know in part. He says, but on that day, when we finally cross that threshold into eternity, and when we were Jesus Christ, we are going to know in full. We're going to see the whole picture, and it's going to completely make sense, and we're going to give all glory to our Elohim God, because he's all sufficient, and his ways are perfect, praise the Lord. So listen, I don't know what you might be going through. We all go through all kinds of different things. We've all had pain. We've all had tragedy. But when your faith and your trust is in God, just know that his ways are perfect. He has a purpose. He has a plan. And it's perfect. And it's perfect. Just hold on to his hand. Psalm 1830. The psalmist writes, this God, Elohim, capital G, his way is perfect. Hallelujah. The fifth thing we learn from the word Elohim, this revelation from the Lord, is that God Elohim created everything out of nothing. He's the creator God. In the beginning, our text says, God created. It's his first act there, right? He created what? The he created the earth, right? You guys remember that? Old, there's an old commercial where you go, everybody would yell, "Days." No, we're not going to go there. That's all right. Heavens and the earth, right? I like the amplified translation that shows the Hebrew and Greek context. Listen, in the beginning, God prepared, formed, fashioned, and created the heavens and the earth. He's Elohim. Creator God, he created this universe and everything in it. Heavens and earth means everything, everything, everything. What's it mean? Everything, everything means everything. Remember last week, heavens equals space and the earth equals matter. And this opening verse here, it's not a summary that introduces the entire creation passage in Genesis. No, Genesis verse one of Genesis one, where God reveals himself as Elohim, the creator, eternal, supreme God, shows us the very first event of creation. And the Old Testament scriptures show this as well, through the Psalms and Proverbs, even through the prophets' writings. You go to the New Testament, even the New Testament writers confirm this, all the way to the book of Revelation. Here's one of the New Testament books, Hebrews 11, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see didn't come from anything that can be seen. Get this. The word created here in our text of Genesis 1-1, it's a Hebrew word that is only used, only used of God's activity. It's only used talking about God's creative activity, and it's used six times in the entire Bible, six times right here in the open account of creation in Genesis 1. It's saying he is the creator. This opening verse of the word of God establishes right away that God, God of all might and power, self-existent and eternal, and he's totally sufficient in his wisdom, in his might, and in his sovereign power, created every single thing that exists. Everything. And people have asked and questioned for ages, how was the earth created? The heavens. When was matter formed? When did energy come about? When did things begin? Gang, the Bible tells us all right here in words that are so simple that even a child can understand, right? This is where it all began, in the beginning. 
God, Elohim, the eternal, almighty, supreme, creator, God created it all. Created it all. Hold on, Greg. I, 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 I just, I, I believe everything morphed into what we see from something. Greg, that's too simple to believe. Greg, creation has to be way more complex than that. Greg, I'm going to take man's best guess at how the universe was created. Because is there a man alive that was here when the universe was created? On this planet? No. God even chastised Job in the Old Testament when Job was getting a little lippy with the Lord. <laughs> and God's like, uh, were you there? Were you there when I formed? Were you there when that, were you there? And Job's like, no, you know, sorry, God, you know, um, yeah, it's where it all began. In the beginning, God. Sometimes I feel like, you know, when, when, sometimes with people, it's like, you know, I feel like Nacho saying to Stephen, who denied that God created everything, I'm not listening to you because you only believe in science, all right? Now, please don't understand me. I'm not putting science down. Science is good, all right? There's been a lot of wonderful discoveries and incredible things due to science. Too many to list. The, the, the things that science, it's awesome, right? And Caleb Harris is an amazing science teacher here, yeah? Yes, our own. That is your subject, right? That's what I thought, oh, good. I was like, actually, I'm algebra, Greg. That's okay. <laughs> no, it, it, that's, that's not it at all. That's, 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 you know, you'll never hear me proclaim chlorophyll to borophyll. You know what I mean? Nothing like that, all right? If you know, you know, all right? If you know, you know what movie that's from. Okay. Uh, no, it, it, that, that's not it at all. But the truth of the matter is we cannot put more faith in observable and non-observable science of men and women who are so limited in knowledge and scope that we do in God and his word. And that's very important. And I believe that Genesis 1, 1 and the rest of the chapter is accurate and true. That God in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And I believe the Hebrew even shows that. And, you know, and I know it's been debated often, but I believe the Hebrew shows that the Hebrew word there in, in every one of those days is a 24-hour period. That's the Hebrew. It's a reason why the writer wrote it like that. Sun up, sun down, all that kind of stuff, okay? But God created it all. God created it all. How many of you have ever been to a big city? I mean, a big, big city. What's the first thing you see? Not smog, okay? What's the first thing you see? Buildings. Did anybody say buildings? I couldn't hear. Even our fair city of Corpus, we have some beautiful buildings downtown, right? I'm so glad all over the world that buildings just appeared on their own without any help from anyone or anything. Those buildings are amazing, right? That they could just boom and just build themselves, huh? Listen, buildings standing are proof and evidence that someone built them. Someone designed them. Someone planned them. And then someone built them, right? I had this, I have a painting right here, guys. It's a beautiful painting, okay? I gotta hurry. I had a different painting, but it got locked in the office. So it's a painting of Jesus knocking. That's a. Jesus, it's the scripture in, in Revelation when Jesus is talking about he's on the uh, knock on the door, you know, open, the, open our hearts. But I'm so glad that that one day, gang, you know, we walked in here, there was nobody here, and all of a sudden, this painting was just here. This painting was just lying here on the stage. It just happened, man. Isn't that cool? Not at all. This painting didn't just happen. No, it was painted by our own Gloria Harris, wave glory. During one of our sermons right here at the OCC, she painted it right in front of our eyes during one of the services, okay? The very fact that this painting exists is testament that it had a creator. Her name was Gloria. And her gallery's still at the Flower Bluff Library. Go see it. Some great paintings, okay? Can you see what I'm trying to say this morning? The very fact that there's the universe and all of creation points to and testifies that there is a creator. Psalm, one, or Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4. Write that reference down in your Crete notes. Psalm 19, 
one through four, listen to the psalmist. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. Psalmist is like all of creation is testifying and telling everyone there is a creator. His name is God Elohim, praise the Lord. So God's saying in our text, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Elohim, he's like, I'm the God who can take nothing and bring everything into existence. This is the Latin uh, phrase called ex nihilo. It means out of nothing, out of nothing. And that's what Hebrews 11.3 that we read earlier is testifying. Out of nothing, God created everything. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So in this series so far, you know, I've, I've spoken about how the worldly men created pagan you know, god origins typically shows an, like an ongoing struggle between you know, good and evil forces. It's kind of like Greek mythology and Roman mythology and, and that. You know, and so there's this ongoing struggle between the good gods, little g's, and the bad gods, little g's, and, and the earth and the created things kind of just was an accidental byproduct in their origin stories of some of this struggle and, and that these pagan gods created the world, you know, with, with prior materials that already existed. They, they crafted everything, but they couldn't really create. But gang, our God, Elohim, the almighty, eternal, supreme creator God, created everything out of nothing. God didn't need any raw material to create the universe. He used raw material, dust, to make man. He didn't need to. There's a reason why he made man out of dust because that's what we're going to return to when we die, right? We're going to turn back into dust. You're, just not, you're nothing but a pile of dust. So if you think you're somebody, just remember you're nothing but a pile of dust, okay? That'll keep you humble. <laughs> but there was a sovereign purpose in God using dust, but he didn't need anything to create everything. I appreciate what pastor and author Ken Hempill writes. The evangelical church has long proclaimed its conviction that God created out of nothing everything that is. This is in sharp contrast to every humanistic evolutionary model where the universe becomes godlike, creating life out of lifeless matter through some mindless, random system. God created it all, gang. He supernaturally and miraculously created everything, and he did it with his word. See, God creates with his word. Our text shows that until God spoke, nothing existed. Until he spoke it. The psalmist testifies of this in Psalm 33, 6 through 9. By the, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. Do you guys know the implication of this? He can speak one word into your life, praise God, and bam, new life is formed. Hallelujah. That's so good. It's so awesome, this truth. And again, in contrast to the worldly pagan gods who are actually part of the creation, you know, God is so powerful, so supreme and eternal and so creative, he only needed to speak. That was the process, the means, the method, the way God created. He could have thought the world into the universe, but instead he wanted to speak with creative words. And I'll talk about that in the close in a minute, okay? And it just shows that God's creative over his creation and he's active over his creation. 
He's very active in his creation. He enters the world. I love this gang. Here, here's, here's, the, here's such beautiful truth for us. He enters the world of his creation and acts and loves and saves and he delivers and he helps and controls and he offers life forever through the greatest gift to mankind, the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, who became active in giving his life for a ransom for everyone so that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans 10, 9, and live forever with God, Elohim, the eternal, almighty, supreme, creative God. We have life because God chose to be active in his creation. You maybe say, you know, I'm, Greg, I'm not sure about all this creation stuff. How do we really know? Well, thank you for asking that question. The Bible has the answer. <laughs> and we've read it two times already, Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand. By faith, we understand. Jake, if you guys want to come on up, man, that'd be great. There's, there's so many scripture references about God, God creating. Like I said earlier, from Genesis all the way through Revelation. And the Bible indirectly rests on the creation in Genesis 1.1. It's that foundation, it's that essential. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Praise God. Praise God, man. Just like the old hymn sings, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I love it. It's so cool. And this is how God works. That when, when I was preparing this, this message to, and I got to this very point, this hymn just popped into my mind out of nowhere. It's like the Holy Spirit just dropped it in my spirit. I hadn't sung this hymn, this doxology in such a long time, but the Holy Spirit dropped it in me on purpose. And, 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 and in closing, I want to hit how. You see the name Elohim, it, it, this is how it speaks to us. Elohim speaks to us in three ways. Sorry, I just hit somebody. Woo, all right. It hits us in three ways and speaks right to our heart and our souls. See, Elohim is plural, signifying the Trinity. It's a Hebrew word that has a, a plural connotation and it signifies the Trinity. And that's why I love the hymn that I just sang. It, it speaks of creation and then it ends with the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And it signifies that all three are all about the, the, all the points in the outline that we've talked about last week and this week. It signifies that all three were actively engaged in the creation work of all the heavens and the earth. We are talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Elohim. Elohim. So what, is, what, what, what is, can Elohim say to us? Number one, God Elohim is the one upon whom we can trust to save us, to help us, to protect us, and to deliver us. Listen, you can depend upon him. No matter where you are in life, you can depend upon him. He's always there. He is forever faithful. And he has the power within himself to do what needs to be done in our lives. He has the power to do the miraculous in your situation or your circumstance. He is sovereign and his will and purpose will prevail in your life. And it's going to be good as we see in Romans 8, 28. You can depend upon the Lord. Proverbs 18, 10, the writer says, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. Do you need safety this morning? Run to him. Do you need help? Run to God, Elohim. Do you need protection? Run to him. Your marriage in trouble? Run to him. Kids in trouble? Run to him. He's got Elohim. He's all powerful. His will is good. 2 Samuel 22, verses 2 through 3. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. My God, Elohim, K 
capital G, is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. He's my refuge, my savior, the one who saves me from violence. Praise the Lord. Thank you, God. He's our refuge, our tower. He's our strength, amen. Listen, I ask you, what do you have fear of? What are you anxious about? God is in control and we are his. We are his creation, praise God. We learn that, that, that God's personal and he surrounds us, gang. Okay? He's personal. He's always present with us, he never leaves us. He walks with us, talks with us. He leads us and guides us. He wants to be known. He wants us to experience him. Praise the Lord. Doesn't want us just to stand off at a distance. Keep it arm's length away, Lord. No, he, he, he doesn't desire that there's space between us. No, he wants us to draw near to him. He wants us to have that intimate relationship with him. That's why we were created in the very first place, guys. Isaiah chapter 41, 10. God says to the prophet, fear not for I am with you. Somebody needs to hear those words this morning. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God, Elohim, capital G. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Hallelujah. Woo! Man, this gets me excited. Do you know him this morning? Jesus has his arms extended out to you right now. Run to him in your spirit. Bow down before him in your spirit. Let him save you. Let him comfort you. Let him heal you right now. Let Jesus lay his hand upon you. Let him breathe upon you. Let him fill you with his Holy Spirit. Let him calm your heart. Let him give, let him give you peace to your soul, healing for your life, and truth to live by. Let Jesus bless you right now. Bless us, Jesus. God's supreme sovereignty just does, it doesn't just mean that, that God is like huge and all-powerful. It means that, but it also means that he has you in the very palm of his hand. And we rest in that. We rest in that. The second thing we know is God Elohim creates life. So we talked about it. He creates life. We unpack that with the creative truth of his word. Listen, let him speak fresh life into you today. Let him speak life into your marriage. Let him speak life into your children. Let him speak life into your job. If you self-employment or wherever you're working, let him speak life into your school. Whatever, wherever, let him speak life to you. God, Elohim, creator God, let him create life in you today. And I pray that he speaks life to you, just like in Ezekiel 37, that, that he speaks life to dead bones, that he speaks life to dry bones, that he speaks life to weary and exhausted bones, and speaks life to anxious, weary, and nervous bones. Maybe you say, Lord, I, I just, I need fresh life from you. Refill me and refresh me with fresh life from you, Lord. And lastly, gang, God Elohim is the complete sovereign majesty of the universe and deserves our worship and total devotion. There's a commandment that says no, no other gods before him, no idolatry. God he is worth that. He deserves that. He deserves all of our devotion and loyalty. He doesn't need it like it's a, man, I just need that from my, no, he deserves it because of who he is. Look, everything starts with God and everything ends with God. Did you hear me? Everything starts with God and it ends with God. Your life right now, does it start and end with God? Is it all about you or is it about God? And I ask you, are you desperate for God? Like the old chorus we sing, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. There's a song called, this is the air I breathe. One of the refrains is, I'm desperate for you, Lord. Are you desperate for God? 
Are you desperate for the eternal, almighty, supreme creator, God? He wants you. You are his finest creation. He created you with a choice, and he desires that you choose him today. God, we come before you, Lord. Thank you that you choose to involve yourself with us. Thank you that you choose to involve yourself with us personally, Lord. And God, I pray for every single person that's here this morning, everyone that's, that's watching online, that God, they would grasp the total impactfulness of this revealed name, Elohim. God, let us be desperate for you. Thank you, Lord, that, that God, you, you, you don't change with time. You don't change with the sifting sands of culture and trendiness and you're not influenced by some other thing or person Lord no you are you are (laughs) and we can count on you God you know where everybody is this morning you know the state of our hearts some are mourning some are in grief some are struggling with with physical things Lord Some are seeking wisdom. Some need deliverance. Marriages, God, that need healing. Hearts that are broken and wounded that need healing. And God, I pray that you would just speak life into all of us this morning, God. Create your newness in us and help us, Lord, I pray. Help us, Lord, I pray, to run to you. To run to you this morning. And if there's someone here, Lord, they haven't, they haven't in their spirit bowed before you. They haven't confessed you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior. They have, they've not decided to follow you. They're still playing the games of the world. They're still trying to think that, that they're in control and that they're driving their own boat and, and, and that, that they can make their own decisions and be fine. Lord, let them know that without you, there's nothing but depravity. Without you, there's nothing but destruction. Without you, there's nothing but unsatisfaction. And as the author of the scripture says, that way will end in death. Help someone to turn to you this morning and find the life that you've created, new life in Jesus Christ, new life that you've given, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Shh, he's here this morning. He's here this morning. Eternal, super powerful, almighty creator God. We worship you right now, God. We worship you right now, Lord. We thank you, Lord. If you need prayer for anything this morning, I'll be over here and I'd like to invite any leader to come stand with me over in the corner to pray with anybody that needs prayer, any life group leader if you'd like or anything. You need prayer for whatever, we'd love to pray with you this morning. If you need to give your life to Christ, make him your Lord and Savior, begin to live for him. Man, I want to talk with you. We want to pray for you to join the family of God. We'll do that as we sing this last song. God bless you guys. Go in the Lord. Go in the Lord. Let's run to him because he's everything. He's everything that we need. Emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, relationally. He's everything that we need. Hallelujah. Hmm. Lord. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus.